gentlemen, and uh, to everybody, Happy New Year. We haven't uh, done a podcast since probably around the holidays. Uh, we took some time off, tried to figure out our schedules, and we finally done it. So, Austin, <laughs> uh, we have officially hit the midway point of the season for the Leafs. And it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, there there's – a team that's second in the East, I believe they're second in the East, or, or I should have looked at the standings before we did this, but, uh, you know, Tampa, undisputed number one team in the league, and then you got Toronto. I know that Calgary's been making a run lately, so they're they're up there. Um, but in terms of the East, and more importantly, the Atlantic, things have gone a bit tighter. And what I mean by that is, that lead that the Leafs had over the Bruins, um, and I mean, I don't think Buffalo's Buffalo's four points behind now. It's, it's shrunk a little bit. Um, any cause for concerns based on what you've seen lately? Uh, over the recent stretch, it's been uh, not too much concern. It's just sort of a, I think, a factor of the goaltending situation the Leafs are in currently um, in regards to Frederick Anderson being out and obviously Gary Sparks with the concussion you, you, <laughs> we know the Marlies goaltending has not been good to say the least um, and Michael Hutchinson's come in and had one shutout and a couple uh, less than ideal performances but I mean you're going to throw a guy in there that has I think four games in the NHL before he came to the Leafs this season so you take the good with the bad, unfortunately, and uh, that's just what it is. The defensive game is what it is, and uh, the scoring hasn't exactly been stellar. Vancouver game aside, um, it's just it's one of those stretches during the middle of the season that you have to sort of just get through. Yeah, I think this is what the, the Leafs are going through, kind of their, their kind of tough stretch. Um, I look at... Like, look, Tampa Bay, the, only, the main reason why they're so far ahead of any other team is because they just reeled off one of their best months in franchise history. I think they went, like, 17-0-2 in a, at a, during a stretch of the season. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, this is, like, what Tampa Bay, I'm seeing from Tampa Bay right now is what the Blackhawks did in, uh, was it tw- the lockout short season where they were just unbelievable. So like we, yeah. I think, like look, because of when you see a team like Tampa that's kind of on the rise, Boston's just won five straight, so now they're one no two points behind the Leafs. Um, yeah. But like yeah, um, to bring up the goaltending, I think Hutchison has been, he's done enough to at least put them in a position to win every game he started. Yeah, I think that would be a fair assessment. I think the team has lacked just just the focus and the details to really get the job done. In like you know the Minnesota game, that was a winnable game. The Nashville game, for a good part of it, they were in it, but just they didn't like they they were in it, but didn't seem like they were in it. It just seemed like yeah. they weren't there. Like they credit a team like Nashville for taking, you know, Toronto's game and taking them out of their kind of their comfort zone. Um, I think Babcock put it, uh, put it that, you know, 
it was like playing um, boys against men. I think, I think maybe that was just his way to kind of call out the team for the lack of, you know, willingness to push back against Nashville. Like, you know, Nashville had a couple of guys that were pushing around the Leafs. And look, I'm not going to get into this conversation whether or not the Leafs need toughness or anything like that. I think that's just, that's become more of a media-driven idea. Um, from the old, okay, not, now what I mean by media-driven, I mean by the traditional newspaper slash you know radio guys that need something to fill in time to have a conversation and and you know that who they are because it's it's like you'll see it for a week it'll go away and then another week it'll go, come back yeah it's uh man. it the Nashville game is interesting cuz you're facing the reigning uh Vesna trophy winner you're facing probably a top three defense in the league, especially with Ryan Ellis and P.K. Subban back healthy for fully 100%. That's uh, – did they have Yossi out there? I didn't yeah. I didn't catch all of the game because y- – um, Yossi was there. Okay. He's been the one consistent guy that's been there. But, like, even, this team is a playoff team, and they play a playoff-style game every time they're out there. So a two-goal lead to them feels – like an insurmountable lead at some points. Maybe not against a team like the Leafs, but you certainly need some bounces to go your way against that squad to get back in a game like that. Uh, yeah, and look, um, I couldn't, I probably couldn't even count on my, like the number of times I saw Nashville block shots, which I found a little surprising because they're not exactly a team that tends to block a lot of shots. Um, I usually correlate Teams who block a lot of shots as teams that don't usually do very well. Um, if you look at the list, there's teams that are up near the top, like Ottawa, Vancouver, New York, um, L.A. They block a ton of shots. And look at where yeah. they are. Like, well, teams, It's I don't know the stats behind it, but just looking at the, the eye test for me, teams that come in and go within the mentality of just getting sticks on the Leafs and piling bodies in the slot and blocking a lot of shots, they have a lot of success against the Leafs. And that's obviously not rocket science. If you block a lot of shots and keep as many opportunities at your goalie as possible, you're going to win a lot of games. It's a boring style, but a lot of teams have used it. Um, what was it, New Jersey or Carolina? One of those teams came in. Oh, no, sorry. Not them. Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit came in oh, yeah. and blocked like they had double digit blocks at a period and a half. That's ridiculous. Um, they were just, they played a boring style of game and they forced overtime because of it. And they ended up winning the game when, uh, what was it? That game that Larkin scored on the breakaway in OT. Oh, that was uh, the that, Garrett Sparks. Not yeah. so nice game. That was, uh, oh, wait, no, that might've been the, cause the Leafs won against Detroit like a week oh, later. That was the one at home. That was the one with uh, Tavares tying it up late. Yes. I think the first one was Anderson and Nett, but that was a breakaway to Larkin. So. No, they, uh, Sparks was in that was for it? both of them. Okay. It, it, he, was in, he was in that for both of them. Okay. So, um, yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, you obviously get better shots and make sure you throw as many shots on net as possible if you're the Leafs, but strategy like that, I mean, it's boring, but you – it showed for Detroit it was efficient and they got the win because of it. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's nothing bad. Of, like, I'm not saying shot blocking teams shouldn't do it. 
They're, it's just playing like that is extremely boring. It so is. it's hard for the fans to watch, and I feel bad for Detroit fans. I don't watch enough of their games to know if they play like that every game, but that's hard to watch for one game, let alone 82, if they do use that style. Oh, it definitely is. Um, I want to bring up one last thing about this whole toughness argument. Mm-hmm. Um, the Leafs are one of the worst hitting teams in the league, but uh, they're not the worst. They have 706 hits, according to NHL.com. You want to know who the worst team in the league is in that department? I'm going to go ahead and say the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, actually, the Tampa Bay Lightning yeah. are seventh. They have over 1,000 hits. Hmm. Well, they also have some guys that will yeah. hit some people. Uh, the Calgary Flames. They're doing a pretty okay, I'd say. They have 658 hits. The Leafs have 706. Damn, Johnny Goudreau not willing to lay the body. What a bad teammate. Like, this whole idea that you need... Nobody talks about the Calgary Flames as a team that's not tough. It's just, you don't need to... Now, look, do I think... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I don't think they talk about them because they have a couple of guys that are... You know that, like, bastard. You hate to play against them, like the Leo Komarov types. Matthew yeah. Kachuk is a pain in the ass to play against. Oh, I think that's probably that's the most to, That's to say the least. He's a pain in the ass to play against. And he's good. So that makes it worse. Yeah. For other teams. So I think... You, that... have, you have those type of players that are like that, and your team doesn't get that soft MO. Because you have players that are dicks that want to stand up for their teammates and don't mind mixing it up. The Leafs... They don't have that, but they make sure they beat teams. Like, I don't know why toughness is such an issue when you're winning games. It only is an issue when the Leafs are losing. It really is. Or when one of their guys gets hit. Yeah. Hits. Which is, who got hit last game? I saw that. Uh, well, Jake Gardner didn't fight the guy, and everyone was Well, upset. Andreas Janssen got absolutely steamrolled by Austin Watson. Like, like it was... It could have, if, if Janssen didn't... If Janssen went a certain way into the boards, he would have been hurt, but he didn't. Yep. So there was that one. Um, I mean, Austin Watson was just a you know throwing his weight around the entire game. So um, Austin Watson is just generally I talk about bastards on other teams. He's just not a good person. So and he's documented not a good person. He shouldn't even be playing right now. But that's an argument for another day. Yeah. So. Um, I'm, I'm looking, okay. Um, let's move into more of the like mid season report and kind of things to (laughs) watch for. Um, what would be your biggest surprise going into kind of at this point of the season? What's surprised you the most? Um, I would say the play of, well, the play of some young guys has really surprised me. Um, Travis Dermott's been really good. Um, Kisperi Kapanen's had a fantastic season. I didn't think he'd be putting out this many points at the end of the season. And Andreas Janssen's really come around. Like, if we were to tell you that Andreas Janssen would be talked about, I've seen some Twitter arguments saying, uh, like, Andreas Janssen's the common denominator between the Matthews line with him and Nylander and Martin Tavera's line working. And it might have been a joke, but, like, Andreas Janssen's back into form. He's just the points haven't been there. And he's such a solid player. Like, he's a top six forward, for sure, in this Leafs lineup. Because he's such a good complementary piece. Like, he's a guy that can, if the Leafs need to move salary on a Connor Brown or a Zach Hyman, then Andres Johnson's the guy you fill that spot with. 
he can play anywhere in the lineup. He's fantastic and he's here to stay and the Leafs need to make sure they get him under contract. Um, if I had to pick one guy, I mean, I did not think Morgan Riley would be having this kind of season mm-hmm. and that's, he's probably the easiest choice. Yeah. It's not a slight on him. No. I mean, the guy had 50 points last year, 51 in the entire season. He's already got near 50 at the All-Star break or before the All-Star break. Uh, the All-Star break's not for another couple weeks, so he's, yeah, he's so at getting back to that point. At the midway point. He's got more point, almost as many points as he did last year in 30 less games. Like, he's going to be a Norris candidate this year. Yeah, he had 52. 52 was his career high last year. And he, and he tied Jake because I remember that. Yeah, and I don't remember him playing top power play minutes, if I'm not wrong. No, Gardner played the top power play with, uh, I forget, that top power play unit last year. Bozak, Marner, JVR, and Kadri, I think. Yes, and Riley played this uh, second unit, I think, with Matthews and Nylander. Matthews, Nylander, and whoever else Babcock had to throw. Connor Brown. Yes, Uh, Connor uh, Brown, Leo Connor. Connor Brown was on the yeah, I remember that. So, yeah, yeah, I think Riley is a good is he's he's a good choice. Um, I will say, hmm, my surprise. I I asked you to think about something, and I, I totally yeah just way to go. Think of it myself. I will say surprise in a wrong way. Who I've been more disappointed and kind of surprised he's been disappointed. Oh, I thought this was a positive surprise. Well, you can you can do both. Okay, oh. how about this? We'll do a surprise good. And a disappointing bad. We'll do that. Yeah, uh, sure. My surprise good, I'll say John Tavares. I did not expect him to get the like to be the third. I think he's third in the league in goals still. Um, that that is surprising because I knew he was gonna be you know an impactful player. Like I didn't. It was not that I didn't think he was gonna be able to do what he's doing. I'm just surprised he's you know been able to handle the adjustments of making, you know, right away, right off the bat. And I think it just goes to show this guy was a first overall pick and people tend to forget that. Like they, people forget how, like how big of a, of a hype he had. Like he was supposed to be on the near the Crosby level based on his, you know, junior performance. Yeah. Um, but he never, I don't just think, as we know, he just didn't have that cast in, you know, in with the Islanders. Um, he didn't have a Mitch Marner setting him up for goals. So now he's he's actually has 27 in 42 games, which if he can, you know, if he can continue along this pace, can get 50. I think that should be pretty easy for him to do. Yeah. Um, so I would say he's been my biggest surprise. I'll go with the disappointment because we're already there, and I already have <laughs> the name in mind because I was going to put him as my surprise. Uh, Jake Gardner. Contract year. I don't know if his what exactly he's going to expect at the end of the season. Like I know he's not playing top power play minutes. I get that, so that's taken away some of his points total. Um, but that's not what I look at. I, I couldn't believe I was looking. I was writing my my you know midseason grades, and I was looking at just kind of how the 
team how they've stacked up. Yeah. And um, Tavares leads the team in sh- with shots with 157. There are three players who have had over 100. <laughs> and funny enough, uh, Mitch is one of them. So people who say mm-hmm. Mitch doesn't shoot enough. Well, he's got 15 goals or over 15 goals now. Yeah, he has 15 check, goals. But... So, yeah, he has 15. Yeah, so that makes sense that he's shooting Yeah, more. He, he is shooting more. So people... Is he shooting like what we would expect to get, like Matthews or one of the, you know, those those snipers yeah. in the league? No, but that's not that's not his uh, his thing. Gardner has fifty three. Okay, that is very underwhelming for a guy that's supposed to, you know, be this offensively gifted defenseman. Um. I just don't see him. like him and Zaitsev have been a very big disappointment. And yeah. going into the playoffs that this is how they're gonna play, I'm not comfortable with it. No, I'd probably in most situations take Garamet and Nozganov, to be honest, even though Oz makes a couple of brain farts here and there. I mean he's been more consistent and he and Dermot seem to have it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, I'm. That that's probably my biggest concern. Is just that line is that that pairing just does not seem to. Teams seem to be to know teams know that they can they can take advantage of that pairing, like they yeah. know. And when when you have, I remember, um, I think it was. Uh, uh, Nick Felino was saying they don't like defending their their net down low. Um, part of that's Tainzy, part of that's mm-hmm. Zaitsev, and part of that's also Gardner. So, um, I will say though Gardner does have the most attempts on net. Uh, he has more attempts than Riley, so I think what it also shows is Gardner's not getting his shot. Um, he has more blocked attempts. That's probably the best way to say it. Riley has more unblocked attempts on that, and that's why he has more shots on that. So, um, I would say, um, yeah, so I would say that's probably been the biggest concern is that pairing. And that's probably why the Leafs are in the conversation of uh, needing to get something done in that regard. That, let's, yeah, let's let's move on to that because this is going to be our shorter podcast. I want to expand with kind of shorter podcasts also because time constraints for today for myself. Um, your biggest trade deadline need. If Dubas had, you know, Kyle Dubas will work the phones, do it, see what's out there. If Dubas had one trade, he says we can make one trade for X or Y. What would be your priority? And who uh, would mine it be would definitely be uh, somebody to play with Morgan Riley that isn't Ron Hainsey, firstly. Um, I mean, it, it just, the situation is black and white, honestly, with Ron Hainsey. He's not fast enough. He has a lot of trouble getting the puck out of his own zone. Breakouts are an issue. Uh, he's just, his age is showing, and he looked great and we had a lot of praise for him last year uh, for seemingly being able to have that stabilizing presence that helped Riley get 52 points. But uh, it looks like Babcock ran him into the ground with all those 
penalty killing minutes. And he's still killing penalties this year, but it's not as big of an issue. Um, I think if you can split up the Zaitsev Gardner pairing and get a proper person out of the trade for that, then do it. But from what Pierre Lebrun was saying, it, it seems like Kyle Dubas isn't going to just trade for a rental. He's going to trade for a guy that has some value long term mm-hmm. or at least two years. Um, read into that as you may. Alex Petrangelo obviously has two years left on this deal. I don't, I don't have the answers for what the Leafs are going to do with the deadline, but I think Dubas is going to try and find some guys that, uh, like Washington's a really good example where they got Michael Kempney at the deadline last year, and he was a star for them during the playoff run. Uh, they just they need to get those guys that are under the radar. Dubas obviously has his metrics and his analytics that are going to tell him some guys that might be a little cheaper that'll be good for the team, and. We'll see what happens because I don't. I'm not fully sold on the idea that Dubas really wants to get somebody like Pareko or Petrangelo that's going to cost them probably multiple bodies or a body in picks. Yeah. I don't know that he wants to sell the future off like that just yet. Yeah. So this is what I was going to ask you. So now look, I know Dubas is very big on you know built not just building now but for the future. I get that. Um, you also have to give up something to get something. There's that part of the argument too. Um, this is why maybe I wouldn't give up a Lilligren for Petrangelo or Petrangelo. I think that's how they people say it. Um, because most likely or not, I don't know if he stays around after the two years. So, and it's not not even a full two years; it's a year and a half. Because it's half of the you no, know, the rest. It's of the a, it's generally a two-year rental. Basically. Yeah. So, um, this is where I think of it. I mean, yes, would getting rid of Zaitsev help? It would. Um, but if you're giving, let's say you're giving up a Zaitsev to acquire another defenseman, um, then you have to fill Zaitsev's spot as well. Kind of that's my thinking. I mean, Hainsey would probably work out better as a second pairing guy than a first pairing guy. Yeah. Um. I, this is why I like I kind of find the Dougie Hamilton one a bit easier to see as a potential fit. Trade Nylander. So this is okay. This was going to be my point. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't even trade Nylander for Dougie Hamilton right now because yeah, they want to score though. They want to score, but Dougie Hamilton hasn't had his best season either. So if you're the least, why not try to buy low on a guy yeah. that's. A guy that's not having his best season and Carolina seems to be panicking right now. Yep. Um, well, would you Don get... Waddell's panicking because Tom yeah. Dundon basically said yeah. he's not willing to lose and he's just going to blow the team up. Basically, he's just going to start making deals to make this team win immediately. Way so... to go, Tom. People like this is where uh, the Jim Lights comments get very like hilarious too because now Jim Nill any trade he wants to do teams know that they can get like teams know that his job is on the line and they can take advantage of that. Um, he's desperate. He's desperate. This is the Leafs need to now look. <laughs> this is where I want to bring in the Peter Shirelli part. Um, 
Oh God! Remember, the teams are not exactly here to help us. So, what have what has happened since we've been off? Since last oh podcast? man, this is this has been. We're gonna have another podcast next week to delve into. More, I just want to say something very quickly because a lot of people say. made a lot of Brandon Manning getting made, especially me made a lot of Brandon Manning, the Connor McDavid collarbone breaker that he is being acquired by Peter Shirelli. Uh, one of the names for some reason that I've heard come up for the Leafs is Radko Gudis, which is a guy that kind of makes sense for, I mean, that's a lower pairing. Yeah. He's not crusher. expensive. He's like three mil three ish. I don't know his contract. I haven't really looked into it cause it's Radko Gudis and just his rep. I'm sort of like, eh, nah, but, uh, everybody wants to make fun of the Oilers for getting the guy that hit, Connor McDavid when he was on the Flyers. If the Leafs were to go out and get Radko Gudis, this is a man that punched his own captain in the face at the World Championships. He sucker punched Claude Giroux in the face when the Czechs played he, Canada. He also, didn't he not hurt Sean Couturier in practice? I think so, yeah. Um, there was that so, as well. Be be mindful of when you make fun of another team because something like this might happen. I, I will be laughing along with everyone else if the Leafs get Gudis because... He just he just punches his own teammates in the face during international competition. Yeah. So anyway, continue with what you were saying. No, and and you look, I I think Peter Shirelli's comments are pretty hilarious because he's saying teams aren't exactly there to help you. No. True. You know you shouldn't need another team to help you out of your mess. With that being said. There are ways to get deals done. I guarantee people have been asking the Oilers to pay, like a Jesse Puliarvi, and uh, you know, me. I don't think Evan Bouchard has come up in a discussion, but he could have been a name floated around. Um, you can get it done. You can get a deal done. Um, but it's a matter of what are you willing to pay to get it done. I think if you're going to go after Dougie Hamilton. You know, Carolinas might ask for a Kasperi Kapanen. Yeah. Which, Leafs fans, imagine, I can only imagine if Kapanen gets, is the one that gets moved, Nylander stays, and it doesn't work the way that we expect. Um, I want to get to Nylander in a second, um, but I think that's what Carolina would want to do. They want a guy like Kapanen. They like a guy like, I mean, Nylander probably would be their first choice. Um, because... Also in that situation, Kapanen's a guy that's been playing with Matthews. And, I mean, how much production is he going to put up without Matthews is the real question there. That's And that's the thing, too, is is his production more towards what... And he's produced with a bit with Kadri, but his... He's, main... he's a great player. I'm he's... not taking oh, anything yeah. away from him by saying that. It's just... It's hard to gauge when you're playing with a top 10 player in the league how you're going to do. I mean, who's the who's the Hurricanes top center? Jordan Stahl? Um, or is it is Aho playing center? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, I can tell you that in a second. See, that, that'd be a fun line. Aho and uh, Kavanaugh together would be good. Yeah, it would be. And then they're just, they're, their team's a mess. But yeah, I, you you wonder how much of it is, you know, playing with Matthews, playing with um, 
And now he's going to be technically top. I don't even know how this, I mean, I guess top power play. So Aho is the top line has been Aho, McGinn, and Teravinen. McGinn. Yeah, so that's. I mean, he's a good player, just not on your top six. And then you just look after that. Like Greg McKegg is their third line center. Yeah, so I think Carolina has some work to be done. Like I look at these names, half these names look like fake names. Um, also, a lot of Finnish players. Uh, um, yeah, so maybe maybe that's why they like they could like Kapanen. Just continue adding to that Finnish crop. Um, I digress though. So I, I think yeah, I I like the idea of looking at a defenseman. Um, I don't mind the Wayne Simmons argument because I look at what happened with Tampa when they went up against Washington and how Tom Wilson absolutely took like he was just a pain in the ass in that series and they had no response. Yeah. If the Leafs were to go up against the Capitals, I would be afraid of what Tom Wilson will try to do. Yeah. And we looked. We I saw what Ryan Reeves did to Tom Wilson. Um, Ryan I, Reeves is also a guy that fights, and that's why he's yeah. basically in the lineup and hits people. Well, he hits people, uh, and he's he's not afraid to go looking for blood. I mean, I'm not asking the Leafs to get a guy looking for blood, but if I see a Tom Wilson going after one, you know, a guy like a knee, like a not a Matthews, a Marner. I'd want someone to be able to be like, uh, yeah, no, that's yeah. not happening. I don't think you're really going to get that. I mean, like, I, I don't know if the, if Dubas is going to pay the price, like Philly is no. going to want the first round pick and a prospect. Real. Like that's what for they're going to want. No, for, uh, oh, Wayne Simmons. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. That went off over else for a second. Um, I don't know. I'm just, you, Nazem Kadri is the guy that fights the most on this team, and that's very rarely. <laughs> I mean, I I I wouldn't want Naz to go after like Wilson. Yeah, Wolf, exactly. He, that's a massive trade off. That's like a lion going up against a gazelle. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Kadri would get buzzed by him. That's beside the point. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like the Leafs, unless it's like I don't even want to say it, but Gautier is like he's big. But he can't fight. He's like a, he's. We call him. He went to goat. Harvard. He's a he's smart the, guy. He's not going to fight Tom Wilson. He's the go. He doesn't even have a like a. Sorry, he didn't go to Harvard, but he had offer from yeah. Harvard. Like he's, he's a smart man. He's the goat. He's not exactly the ferocious like massive guy. I mean, no, he's also not dumb enough to fight a guy that's that vicious. That's true. So like, I wouldn't mind like a Wayne Simmons could, and he's not, and he's a guy that can also produce offensively and he wouldn't be you know he wouldn't drag down a line just because we need a guy he's not a matt martin let me put it that way you're not just having him in the lineup just for the sake of having him in the lineup he can actually contribute in ways i think babcock would love a guy like wayne simmons too oh absolutely i mean everybody loves a guy like wayne simmons in the lineup especially when he's producing yeah so that those are I think like a Dougie Hamilton, Wayne Simmons, uh St. Louis, I don't know what they're gonna do. I would love to see Nobody knows what they're gonna do. I I mean they're they're one of those teams that I don't think have like Doug Armstrong's not gonna blow it up. I can't see him blowing it up. 
Because no. they've been going for it for so long, it's hard to see them blow it up. Like people, people need to realize that the hardest, the easiest thing to do is blow it up. The hardest thing to do is to put it back together. They're eight points out of the wild card, which I think is probably in the West too hard to overcome. But, but you rack off a couple, you know, a nice winning streak. You might be able to salvage something, but I, I just don't see it. Um, yeah. But if you're trading a Petrangelo, a Tarasenko, you're, you're, you can't. I don't think you can stop there. You can't trade one or two guys. No. You need you to keep a couple pieces, but like you can like, keep a Pareko. You keep like I. That's why uh, as much he's as, injured a lot. But a guy like Robbie Fabry's a guy you can't move still. Yeah, like I, I, you, Jake loves Colin Pareko, and he's the ideal target for any team. Yeah. But he's probably the building block for St. Louis. Yeah, it's, it's not like St. Louis has another guy that's going to come up. St. Louis is a good enough like young defense that they could make it work without uh, Gunnarsson, without Patterangelo, without Bomeister. They've got Vince Dunn. They've got Jake Wallman. They've got guys that can help on the blue line. Um, but it's patchwork at that point. It's just guys being shoved into the lineup to make do for the guys you've traded away. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at with that. Let's let's end the podcast on this final thought, and I kind of brought up to you that I wanted to talk about this. Yeah. We, you and I are both big junior. Like we were like watching prospects. World Juniors is like a crack cocaine. Um, I don't but, like where this is heading, but I know where it's heading. Um, Canada had a disappointing tournament. Let's call it that. Disappointing that they didn't medal. Um, was I surprised that they got eliminated by in that game against Finland? I was surprised of how it happened. Yeah. Um, it, it's a 50, 50 game. It's not like you're playing the Swiss and you're expected to win. Finland is It's not like what sw- happened to Sweden against Finland. Let's that people was... don't realize is Canada. They think Canada owns this tournament and Finland has more gold medals than Canada does now in the last few over the past five years. I think it is the stretch. At least, at least, I think they're consistently least. dominant. They medal ev- almost every year. The, I think well, Finland's more of a gold or bust type of team. They yeah. were like what Canada, like Canada when they were winning gold, it was either gold or nothing. At yeah, least, it's not like Russia where it's like gold or we probably play in the bronze medal game. Exactly. Um. Now I looked. I mean, and we talked. I haven't even looked. People, I, I refuse to. People have talked about the hockey gods stuff. The hockey gods apparently gave Canada all these chances to win, and they couldn't do it. Hockey gods don't do that. Just saying. Um, I would hate the idea of the apparently the hockey gods came down on Canada for scoring 14. Canada just couldn't get out of their way. They couldn't get, you know, they didn't make any adjustments when they couldn't score against Russia. You'd think the coaching staff would say, okay, maybe we need to change things up. Maybe something needs to be different. Didn't and Canada happen. also scored those goals because it's a tournament where placing in the table or in the final standings is decided by goal score if there's yeah, a tie. Exactly. And Russia was pretty much, they t- almost, they could have tied. Yeah. 
So, Russia was steadily dominant over the teams because their division or their sorry their group wasn't that good. Wasn't very good. No, it was very. It was Canada and Russia. That was it. So, um, let's 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 bring it up. Maxime Comtois. Um, sure. Did he have a disappointing tournament in terms of the flopping and the diving and missing the penalty shot? Yes. The guy is also nineteen years old. He will learn from this. I think he has already. But for the people who were bullying him, and look, people like, uh, it's not a... Look, I know junior hockey enough that I've seen how parents act. I've seen how parents treat these kids. It is disgusting. This hockey is supposed to be fun. My cousin, I remember my cousin growing up, my uncle was probably the best when it came to how it was all about what my cousin wanted. If you want to play, I will you know, pay whatever it is. I'll take you to the tournament. But when you are not liking it, loving it anymore, you tell me and we'll, we'll yep. end it. Did you see the stream of posts that, um, I forget who posted it, but Ray Ferraro. Uh, went and spoke to a, a hockey team. Parents asked him to come into the room and speak to their kids. Mm-hmm. And he said the exact same thing you're saying is too many parents in this game force their kids to do land training, to do power skating, to do all this stuff Paul, in order to make it to the NHL to solve all of their problems and make all of the money to get their family so they don't have to work. Paul Mar- Paul Mar- Not Mar- everybody's Mitch- built to play hockey. Yeah. Mitch Marner, when he was four years old, was in a skill development class. Yeah. At four years old, they did a documentary. Like, they did a feature on it. And Do you think if Mitch didn't love the game, he would be doing that? Probably, yes. At four years old, he probably doesn't really. He probably doesn't really realize it. And Paul Marner probably saw this. His son was really good at hockey and that stuff. But give me a break, guys. Yeah, um, I don't know. My phone's ringing. I'm sorry. I don't know if you can hear that on the thing. Uh, I can hear it. Don't worry. I, ah! I, I just want to leave it at that. I, we're, Damn I, you. I, I just want... want to, real quick, if you don't mind. Yeah. The people that are getting on Maxim... Damn it, the phone is killing me. The people <laughs> that are getting on Maxim Comtois, de- deactivate your account. The people that are going to say... I, you should be ashamed of yourself. And honestly, I'm ashamed to... Oh, losing you, Austin. I'm not that person, but sorry, we lost you for a second there. Sorry, my connection kind of got through. You're killing me. Go ahead. Uh, When did I cut off at? Because then I can just start. Just start from your your just your point. Just start your point. The people that are doing this and making the post to Maxim Comtois, deactivate your account. You're an embarrassment to this country. I am embarrassed to say I share a nationality with you. That you're on a kid's Instagram page, looking up his name. And going after him, saying he needs to get HIV and die. Seriously, you're an embarrassment and nobody agrees with you. Nobody stands behind you in this argument. Maybe some other mouth breathers that are inhabit this country that think it's okay to call out a teenager who's just representing his country. You can't turn down an opportunity to play for Canada. You are selected. And, you know, part of the issue, I think, is that Maxime Comtois, he's one of the NHL guys. He's played for the Ducks for most of the season. He was loaned to the team, and 
sorry, he wasn't loaned to the team. He was playing for Drummondville for a bit, but he was in the NHL. So there's a lot of expectation on him. He's the captain. I, I mean, he had a separated shoulder for part of the tournament. He was playing through. Yeah. I, I mean, Hunter threw a guy with a separated shoulder out to take a penalty shot and we're surprised at the results. Yeah. What do you want? I mean, get over it. Uh, the sad part to me is that people get on these kids. Michael D. Pietro as well. He had a fantastic tournament. He let in a couple of unfortunate goals. That last goal in overtime is what it is. It hit Cody Glass's stick, went in the net. It happens. Don Cherry will probably get on him for that. Yeah. Cody Glass. Um, get over it. It's less than 365 days till the next one. It's not the goddamn Olympics. We will see them next year. Yeah, exactly. I think we're gonna end it there. We're gonna we'll discuss this uh, another time too. Uh, I want to cut it off here, um, Austin. That was a great point. Um, we'll bring this up again because I want to talk about this on the next podcast, and we'll we, do we need that. more time to talk about this. We do. It infuriates me. That was my fault for bringing it up. Kind no, of it's, too late. it's all good. It's before I go on a rant and make you late for what you have to do the rest yeah. of the day. Let's end it. We'll end it there. I want to thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. I'll have all the links in the description. Thank you guys. And we'll probably be back again next week. We'll discuss this a little more and hopefully see what the Leafs can do against